0: welcome to the Firefly Creatrix podcast. For this first series, I'm going to be exploring creativity from different aspects using a different theme and topic to talk around each episode. Um, So you'll just hear my voice for this series, but let's see what comes next. Please do like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening and I'm looking forward to hearing any feedback and starting more nourishing conversations. I am recording this episode on my last evening in a flat that I have been renting for about 18 months. Uh, It's the first place that I've ever kind of chosen, lived in alone and made fully mine. Um, And while it is definitely the time to be moving on and moving forward, it's obviously an interesting feeling. Uh, feelings of grief are arising in uh, in and around this transition period um, out of the space. Um, and grief is one of the things that I wanted to record an episode about. So it seemed a pretty poignant moment to choose to do so. The birds outside have just gotten really loud. So you maybe I'll tell them on the recording. But um, I think that feels really beautiful as almost a metaphor for how grief is only possible because we love so hard so much so deep so intensely and so there has to be beauty or love or however we want to whatever words we want to use for grief to happen and my kind of dance I guess with creativity and grief has changed over the years as with everything else has evolved has developed and um I guess it feels it feels like something that I want to drop in here in this initial series because because it partly because of that change and partly because I think it um it's again a real signature it's a sign it's it's a reflection of of the change the the change in my perception the change in my consciousness the change in my um in the way that I connect things or don't connect things um so again as a as a child I I don't think I had any concept of when things were hard or I don't think I had any concept of grief (laughs) at that time. It was just that everything was always going to stay the same, that nothing was ever going to, um, nothing was ever going to hurt. And nothing was ever going to, you know, be ripped away from me or anything, you know, I had a very beautiful, fun-filled childhood, very protected, very, yeah, very nourishing. Um, and you know, the privilege in that is that sometimes we're not prepared. <laughs> um, sometimes I haven't been prepared for the bigness of life or the, the really deep and unexpected pain from things. So I think the first time I really recognised that deep pain had an influence on my work or on uh, my creativity was when I was working. Um, is that true? <laughs> i just done a picture back. No, I guess, I mean, yeah, the experiences that I had at university, I don't know if I'd call them grief. I mean, there was a grief in them. It was more like panic. <laughs> <laughs> my laugh is red. <laughs> oh, it's hit the back of my throat. Um, it was more like the, yeah, the panic. But I think the panic almost came from this. Again, when I look back now, it came from a grief that, I wasn't in control, that I didn't, I I thought that by working hard and by putting the hours in that I would always be in control, (laughs) It's the simplest way to put it. I would always be able to get that uh, approval, that appreciation, because that tactic, that survival technique had always worked for me until that point, and then suddenly it didn't. And suddenly, that just brought this huge wave of anxiety. Um, but within that anxiety was was a grief that oh my gosh, my survival tactics don't work, um, and so I don't really know how. I mean, I did. I, I don't think I did deal with it in in terms of actually addressing the deeper issue. At th- that time, my ethos was just work harder, <laughs> find more time um yeah make it make it work and I did. I did. Um and in a way that wasn't a good lesson because you know that can only that that technique can only be applied so many times before it it (laughs) blows up in your face in some way. Um which is definitely what's happened since in yeah different situations but so, yeah, I would say maybe it did appear earlier than I had been thinking um definitely at like a level as well there was a there was a not the same there was a stress there was a stress at a level in terms of just balancing all the different things um but it wasn't it it didn't seem to specifically have um an impact on my creativity um when i when I first noticed that and that's what this is what i was going to say first time round was when i was working and things outside of the working sphere like a relationship breakdown or something i mean that that's the key the key ones that i can think of when something outside of work just felt like it had crumbled and work became my pillar became my um stability and I actually, and I was remember being surprised by this but about this at the time. I suddenly felt because I had all of this energy spare, this and almost again, it was this way of negating the grief, negating the big feelings um was to channel it all into creativity instead. and at this time, obviously, these were projects that weren't particularly. Related to grief, there was no, there was no content that was particularly, um, to counteract or to, um, yeah, directly kind of deal with, with that. But it was, but it was a channel. It was something that was there. It was like, you know, I kind of liken it to a family member almost, um, and, you know, since since then in in therapy and things like that i've realized that at that point in my life i had kind of three three main pillars that were my stability and i looked a lot to them for my stability as outside external stabilizers because i didn't have the um i didn't have the resources within me to feel stable without at least three <laughs> outside being a relationship work and home they were the key three, and then there were others that were sort of come and go, um, which I'd also rely on at times, and obviously friends and again, but yeah, but in my brain at that time, which is very different now, they were the three that I really relied on. And so when one of them disappeared, um, of course, there was grief, because that was one of my tripod legs. (laughs) Had just been chopped from underneath me, and so yeah, as I say, that that was my tactic to try to not feel those feelings of having just lost a leg um, was to work, and and that was creative, and it it yeah, what I'm what I'm I guess maybe it was more productivity it was creativity because I remember like being surprised at how many ideas I had for a certain brief or like just being able to put out more concepts than I, than I normally could. But that was partly productivity because this energy that I, and I suppose what I've found since as well, and I've recognized in myself since is that anger can for me, not always, but it can sort of, because it's adrenaline, it created, it creates adrenaline in my body and my system I've suddenly got a load of energy that especially at that time I would not have allowed to be shown as anger I wanted you know to be this people pleasing um perfectionist and anger definitely didn't fit in with that narrative <laughs> so it had to be hidden and yeah squashed down The interesting p- piece about grief my grief or or, i don't know my journey around grief was actually leaving my first job my only full-time employed job brought up a lot of grief (laughs) um partly because of everything that it had represented you know this first step into adulthood um and also this kind of challenge challenge on my on my own concept of what my creative career was going to look like, um, and I like I say I loved it. That when I I was meant to be there at that time, like that's that was the environment that I needed to be in. I thrived. I learned so much. Um, I also like looking back, I can see how I didn't have a voice, and um, I, I didn't feel confident because of my confidence levels just weren't there. I didn't have the voice that I would have loved to have. Um, so again with hindsight there's so many lessons and so much so much value in that but I remember at the time when I finally did leave and I probably should have left before I did because I just sort of as you know it's not uncommon I'd burnt out by the time I finally did leave because I had so much so, so many kind of grievances more within myself than anything else grievances in myself for what I wasn't able to not achieve, but like, or to, to communicate, maybe. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's it. I think that's it. So yeah, the, then there was this period after having left. And I thought that you know, leaving is what I needed to do. Definitely, there was no question in myself at the time. And there's still now that that was the right step for me. And I expected to feel this sort of sense of elation, because I'd done what I needed to do. But the grief came afterwards, the grief for that, that kind of loss of uh, maybe loss of clarity, <laughs> loss of, um, family, because again, the people that I worked with, I worked with them day in, day out and we created such an incredible bond. There was a loss of family. There was a loss of connection. There was a loss of, um, against ability because again, it was one of my pillars and, um, yeah, I didn't have that continuous uh, energy in my life anymore of going to one place for work so that was another kind of grief and then the other things that I want to touch on because it's such it's it I feel like this is literally skimming to the surface because I feel like I need to, to say these things because it's going to open up more and I feel like those co- those conversations need to be had with with others, <laughs> in conversation recorded, you know, so this is more of a, a foundation because then, yeah, then of course I come to the pieces that I've already shared in other episodes around like being in the earthquake in Nepal and having a creative response to that and not really recognizing at the time that it was creative. But there was so much grief tied up in that so much grief, um, in the experience itself of being in an earthquake, which is terrifying and, you know, the the sort of life-threatening element of it, but also the grief for me was very present that of my privilege and of my ability to to leave and to um not have to face that reality every day going forward. So there was a grief in there, almost a collective grief. And I think that's another huge topic that could, yeah, is the collective grief that I believe a lot of us, I actually believe all of us are experiencing, but um, obviously it depends how much you want to tap into it because it's so painful that understandably, a lot of people can't and won't tap into the pain that we feel for what many things that are happening at collective level right now. And, um, so, yeah, interestingly, that, again, at the time, it didn't register, but but there was a collective grief for the people who had been affected by the earthquake. So it probably, you know, 28 million people um, affected in some way by the earthquake, maybe more. And there was this collective grief that I, I felt a part of, and that was partly what spurred me on to create the project that I did, the country that shook, Um and as I've documented within that project, the act of creating those illustrations, of writing the story, initially felt like a therapy for myself to make sense of something that had happened. That was, you know, bigger than words. You can't put that into words. You can't. You can't ever explain that. You can't justify behaviors. It, you know, it, it's just so instinctual. And I've had a few experiences since then that I would say are along those lines of being purely animal instinct of knowing what you need to do. And I've, you know, had experiences where I've gotten somewhere and been like, how did I even get here? It was just my body's knowing, my gut instinct that I needed to be somewhere and almost my body, you know, went into autopilot and just got me somewhere. And that was sort of the case with the earthquake. I think maybe if my brain had come in more, you know, I might have a I might have stayed longer in Nepal, which I didn't. I stayed for a week after the earthquake. And b I probably and I've said this as well. I probably would not have created the project that I did because I didn't think of it as a a a big thing at the time. I just knew I needed to do something physically with my hands with my mind channel what i was feeling and make sense of it through these illustrations um and i wasn't convinced that it would become anything i think if i had had the impetus that it was going to peco- become something then my brain would have gotten involved and maybe taught me out of it because it's like you know you're traveling in asia how practical is it that you're going to create a book blah 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 <laughs> and it's believe me it's not i didn't as i said at the time i didn't carry a scanner around in my backpack um so everything was very much improvised and but that was what made it you know that was what made it so unique was that there was no plan um i mean there was there was a bigger plan (laughs) a divine plan in my opinion in my body in my feeling there was a plan but it definitely wasn't um something that was uh cognitive it wasn't in my mind um and it and i i allowed that um which was probably the first time maybe since i was a child that i just allowed something again because it was so different to what i'd done at work it was drawing on pieces of paper um for hours and that is not not a luxury that I would have allowed myself to do for anything for paid work because everything had to be, um, I'm doing this movement <laughs> with my hands, which no one can see. Um, the, yeah. It had to be this constant motion and, and knowing that it was worth to spend the time on something if it was going to be done, um, which is so different to how I had approached creativity as a child when I, as a child, I would just spend hours doing something and then look at it and be like, "Oh, do I like it? D- I'm not sure Does it doesn't matter when it did matter, maybe <laughs> but not for very long. You know, I'd just be lost in the lines or lost in the coloring perfectly in, into the corners of something or in in copying something, but it wouldn't occur to me until the end really to look at what it had become and I think that instinctual creativity is what happened after the country that shook (laughs) I mean when the country that shook happened um and yeah um I think yeah that was maybe my turning point where I once I was conscious of that. Once I looked back and realised how, which which happened obviously again very slowly, gradually. It wasn't like I had a sudden light bulb moment. It was, although well, there was a light bulb moment when I went back in two thousand eighteen. But I think the realisation of how how much my creativity had just instinctively come out of me that took that just was a slow burner thing. Um, Yeah, so then but then there's been other things, even Kumari's adventure that came out of a particular experience and then combined with the lockdown, with the grief of being disconnected from people who I thought I would be connected with, from a country that I thought I would be connected with, um, having met many women who were in very difficult situations and heard many many difficult stories again. That that piece of collective grief comes in, um, where I knew. I mean, I know it, it happened everywhere in the world. It happened in the UK, which is where I was during the lockdowns. Um, but but of course, having done work within the kind of women's empowerment charity sector of Nepal, I knew the narratives around, the common narratives around women within. Relationships and what can happen, especially when um, men are disempowered, i.e., losing their jobs, which happened to a lot of day workers in Nepal. Um, Everyone lost their jobs very instantly when the lockdowns happened, um, without any financial support. So, um, yeah, people became desolate very quickly, and that disempowered them and brought brought you know unprocessed pain through and feelings of um uselessness lack all of the rest of it so yeah there was a lot of issues for women who were trapped in situations like that and again it's (laughs) theme the collective grief of knowing that i can't do anything about that um i know about it and i'm privileged because i do know about that i have like the education the intellect the physical ability to have traveled all of the rest of it um i have a passport that's the color that it is i have skin that's the color that it is uh, which which we know which makes things easy for me i say that in, in inverted commas um it is easy but it's not easy in other ways um so yes, that definitely, again, with Kumari, I would never have imagined how big it has become and how um, you know long-term I think it will be. It's still definitely very much um, in progress and will continue to be. Um, and it will have ebbs and flows and ups and downs and the rest of it. And it will be impacted by different grief, different um, stories, different pain, because that's sort of part of it. And I think that's sort of connected to the social change episode in that I think part of what has spurred my, spurred or spurred my love of social change as a, or, or using creativity as a kind of method or a vehicle for social change is that it means that we have to look a bit deeper We can't live on the surface if we really, truly want social change. And grief is often one of the things that is a bit deeper. It's not something stereotypically and traditionally that is changing, but it's not traditionally something that people wear on the outside. In Western culture in the the UK, which is where I grew up, In other cultures, it it can and you know it can be more of a community thing, something that is shared and and the burden is held together, um, which is in my opinion. I've never experienced it, so I don't know (laughs) how that feels. But in theory, that feels so beautiful, and I know personally that the grief that I have held. And um, experience the last few years, I've really only been able to hold it and experience it because people have been holding it with me. So it's not been um, like it was when I was in my early twenties, in my younger jobs, <laughs> younger mm. life, where I would, um, yeah, push it down, and that was what made me more creative because I had to find a way to distract my nervous system from the grief. What's changed now? Ten years later, a lot more life experience later, is like I say that I have a support network and I have the vocabulary. Again, that's a privilege. I have the vocabulary to be able to articulate. Um, it's not taboo where I am for a woman to speak out. I mean, it's still slightly taboo, but it's it's not um, you know illegal. There's no laws against it. So I have the I have the power to have a voice and to share that with who I want to. Um, And as I say, that support network, that immediate support network of really close people to me has been invaluable in allowing me to really feel my grief. And actually, what (laughs) kind of what the point of what I was going to say is that it's actually had at points, not right now. (laughs) Um, but it has had at points in the last three years detrimental um, effect on my creativity. Not in that my ideas are not flowing, they are, but my actual ability to work (laughs) has been affected. And again, probably not something that most people would admit on a podcast, but um, it just feels true. That is the truth for me that I've had moments where I would love to be working as, um, you know, in the nine to five type way, not in nine to five, because that doesn't really sit with my body, but be able to put in a good few hours a day that feels consistent and, and um, structured. But I've had points where that's just not been, been possible. Um, The experience of grief just, yeah, rendered me pretty much, helpless uh (laughs) unable to um not unable to function again this is where this is where the kind of stigma comes in but i mean unable to function in the traditional or the expected way it would have not functioned within a full-time job for example um i guess i would have had to be given some kind of leave or something i don't know but this is this is why i just think it's such so important to um address it to like be really honest because this is what people are dealing with post-pandemic like the grief of what we lost during the pandemic be it people we love or just the time the freedom there's so much grief coming out and on top of all the grief that we'd already been. Suppressing and hiding, so it's unsurprising the amount of um, anxiety, depression, or you know, really, really, really big feelings that people are experiencing at the moment as we process that. Um, so yeah, what I what I kind of am intrigued by is that my grief and my experiences of grief have both, and I mean that in the more recent sense of so the type, the, the the kind of Um, context that I'm talking about now is is you know coming at it from a more conscious point of view having done a lot of personal development work a lot of um, self-inquiry spiritual practice meditation all of the things you know um, which when I started doing them (laughs) I didn't think I'd need them in the way that I in the way that I have so again um, gratitude for ending up you know doing those practices which at the time were sort of just for fun just because i enjoyed them and but they have also given me a huge um toolbox toolkit of um practices to turn to when things do get hard um but yes i'm talking about within that context within the last five years the grief that i've experienced has both catalyzed and catapulted ideas into reality not necessarily in a really fast way, not actually like a catapult, but, but it's created this traje- trajectory for an idea that just, you know, was almost unstoppable. And yet yeah, at the same time, it has rendered me, as I say, um, <laughs> I don't wanna use the word useless because it feels really negative because it wasn't negative. It just was this quest request for my body to just stop because it needed to feel all these feelings and i can tell you it was not pleasant and i'm sure many people listening everybody listening can relate to that because it is such a human experience to not want to feel these these things we're not we're conditioned not to because it's not pretty it's not um you know, dancing around in a field of butterf- buttercups, It's it's sitting in these really heavy, really dark, um, and one of the very difficult feelings. Um, and as I say that, that's when the goddesses, <laughs> the moon goddesses that I've drawn sort of pop into my head. Because again, it's those, it's the relationship with those kind of things, with seeing the the power of the darkness, of sitting in that grief, of sitting in the discomfort has helped me to meet parts of myself that I would never have met. And that's where these deeper, more magical, less official, um, elements of creativity have come through. Um, and I'm not saying that the kind of visual beauty of what I created, um, of what I create, like, I'd like, I don't want that to change. Um, I love the things that come through, And I think that partly the stuff that I've created in the last few years, the reason it's come through the way that it has is because we've delved deeper, people that I've worked with, we've delved deeper together into the story behind what they're doing. And, or, you know, I've done more work on myself so I can really hear what people are sharing and and why they're doing what they're doing. I have a, you know, there's a, there's a different kind of connection there. And often they also have been on some kind of journey with themselves and with have, you know, a lot of the projects that I've worked with are really passion projects that have come, you know, come to make money, but they come from passion. They're born of passion. They're not kind of stereotypical business head decision type things. Um, So, yeah, that's that's curious to me. And I I don't have any answers in there's no conclusion here, really. It's just that. Grief. Is. Has been for me, and I think it's true to say right now is a. Yeah, it has. It's a jewel, not even jewel. It's a spectrum. It's. Yeah, very. Um, again, to use a word that I use a lot, it's very nuanced, it's very multi-dimensional, multifaceted, and in some aspects of it, there's this absolute desire and deep quest to create is all I can is the way that it's coming through right now. It's a quest, it's a deep need to, to for something to be born from that grief um because as i said at the beginning grief comes from love and you know love is <laughs> love is like this just this deep need this deep forced to be to be connected to be yeah included i don't know belonging all of it again that's probably not the best way to describe love i think there's better ways but that's yeah i feel like that's where that kind of quest within grief comes from to to make is is from is because it's ricocheted from love because love has manifested itself into grief for a time and but and yet what's underneath that grief is love and then there's the point there's the part that the grief is deeper it's Again, I don't even want to say there's two, this is, I mean, this is two ways that I'm looking at it right now. I think there's thousands, nuanced thousands. Um, But yeah, the other one that kind of feels very true within my experiences is that it's, yeah, it's hiding deeper experiences or it's, it's asking, it's been asking me to go deeper within experiences that I've had to unravel past things that i've suppressed past pain past ex- yeah past experiences that haven't really fully been freed from their yeah from their from the cage that they were put in when you know when they happened and it just just either either it came from me I mean, from my conditioning, or someone outside of me said something that was very clearly, um, you know, that is not, in inverted commas, normal. That is not good. That is not X Y Z. And so my survival technique, my nervous system, put it in a box and put it and pushed it down. Problem was that they became too many boxes, and so yeah one more grief, one more kind of experience that evoked grief meant that all of them come t- came tumbling out. And, well, and that's, that's I think, how, uh, I, how I, again, how I see, all of this is how I see it, and people may disagree, and people may have other completely different experiences of grief. Um, I did an amazing course with a lady called Yoli Maia, who I'll put her uh, link in the show notes, called Grief is a Superpower. Um, Again, because there is just so much, so much to be catalyzed from grief if if we can work with it and honour it and honour its place in society, have those support networks who know what's going on. For me, it's like ceremony ritual, um, bringing like little things into my day that allow those, those feelings to be felt and seen um maybe by just by me but maybe also by others um yeah just there's just so much within grief and (laughs) I don't know if I was I don't know uh I don't know if I've related this back to creativity enough but I but then again kind of what I said in earlier episodes in that we ultimately we are create we are creativity like our Pure, just being on this earth is creative, and how we wash up is creative. How we make a cup of tea is creative. Every kind of move that our body makes is a cell create, or you know, releasing a burst of energy or a, or or a, you know, a signal to move something. It's all created and moved, and so I guess, yeah, I guess what I want to finish with is just saying that even though it has been at moments a struggle for me to still believe that I'm a creative when I've been knocked down by grief. There's always been a seed or something that I've recovered from those deeper cages within my system that I've unearthed and freed and opened and felt all the whatever nasties inside um but in doing that there was there's always been ideas there's always been inspiration there's always been a knowing that this it, it like if there was a way to um portray the human experience of of these things of of the kind of release and relief of that it would be so powerful it would be so powerful. Um, I'm not sure it's something that people want to see. <laughs> the, 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 I mean, the vast majority of society, because again, like I say, a lot of, a lot of us are just not resourced to be able to feel all these feelings. Um, but I think there's a growing number who do, and so I, so yeah, I feel like some of the work that is coming through right now and will come through will be a lot more about really honoring the power in sitting in grief in feeling every nuance in unpacking boxes that you didn't ever think you'd have to because it, it, it has to be done if it's not now it will be some yeah i don't know let's not go into that at the end of this podcast <laughs> It, but it will happen. In my opinion, it will have to happen at some point. Um, and better it be on, like, on, for me, better it be on my terms than someone else's or, you know, external force. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was not expecting this to be so long. I thought it would be like a real short one because it's still something that I'm being with, sitting with observing because like i say it's changed so much and that's why it's curious to share it alongside the creative journey because as i say my creative journey my creative approach my creative ex- my experience of working in within the creative field has changed so much um and likewise grief has too or my experience of grief and my um respect and honor for grief has also hugely changed So it feels like the two are synonymous, the two are connected in some way in that deep reverence for for a deeper knowing of me and why I'm here and what I'm here to do has massively impacted in a positive way. In my experience, in my feeling body, it's a positive thing that that has impacted the way that I approach creativity and the way that I'm able to connect with creativity. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's leave it there. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening today. Please do follow the Firefly Creatrix on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube for more inspiring content.